Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day 37 of the Wondered by the Word podcast and reading plan. We are working through the book of Exodus right now and taking a look specifically at chapters 10 through 13 today. Now, yesterday we spent a majority of our time taking a look at the first seven plagues in Egypt, and today we'll be picking back up with the eighth and nine plagues. So as we enter chapter 10, Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. And at this point, Pharaoh's servants, whose it notes that their hearts were once hardened, even they ask Pharaoh to essentially relent because they see the power, they see the authority. And so Pharaoh attempts to bargain with Moses that, you know, your men can go, your men can go and sacrifice, but everyone else must stay. But the thing is, you don't bargain with God. And so those terms aren't acceptable. And so starting with the eighth plague, we see a plague of locusts released on the land. And it it says that it hits the entire land. Verse 14 also notes that it, it happened in a way that this locust invasion happened in a way that ha- it had never happened before, nor will it ever happen again. And it was so... Uh, weighty that verse 15 says that there were so many, the land was darkened. And so, I mean, they're just covering everything. And this was really a show of power over the Egyptian God who um, Osiris thought to be the protector of crops. And so, you know, with the locusts stripping the land, stripping the crops, stripping the fruit, it was all decimated, a show of power, right, of God's ultimate authority. And verse 16 says, you know, Pharaoh hastily, he uses the word hastily called Moses. He was not okay with the plague lingering at all. And he does what he did earlier. He confesses this sin, right? Yet like before, it's not true repentance, which brings us to the ninth plague, the one of darkness. And being the third within this grouping, there was no announcement. So darkness fell on the land for three days a dark so thick that people couldn't even see each other. They weren't getting up and going around. And what this shows really is it was more than just seen, it was felt. Um, There's this thought that God didn't, didn't even allow artificial light sources to work, that the Egyptians attempted to use candles um, and other light sources, but were, were unable to produce light. And this was a show of greatness over their Egyptian god, Ra, who was thought to be the sun god. And so, I mean, and mind you, too, that the Israelites had light where they were. So it only struck the Egyptians. And there is this sense that it was more than just like a normal darkness, like we would go outside, like the moon is producing light, like there's some sort of light, but this was um, a darkness so heavy that it could almost be felt. 
right? And I think it's important to know that light is not only a physical property, but it's a part of God's character. And so in the judgment, God can withdraw his presence to this point that there's this darkness that is felt, you know, and this is what fell upon the land for three days. And again, Moses, you know, he summons, uh, Moses is summoned by Pharaoh. And again, Pharaoh attempts to, to bargain saying, okay, well, all your people can go, but just, you know, leave the livestock. Yet again, God will not be bargained with. And so when Moses refuses this, Pharaoh just like drives him out and says, you know, don't see my face again. And this brings us to the beginning of the final plague in chapters 11 and 12. The Lord tells Moses that a plague is coming, which will take the life of the firstborn. However, it will not strike the Israelites and we'll see how that happens in a moment. But what we do see here is that the Egyptians, they recognize the authority Moses carries and ultimately the power God has. You know, they start giving the Israelites silver and gold. They, they wanted their relief, but it was the unrepentant heart of Pharaoh that brought the judgment. And so we see in chapter 12 how it ushers in the Passover, which was an, an event to be remembered by the Israelites. It's still remembered. I mean, it says to to mark it on the calendar. That's how important this moment is going to be. And instructions are given to the people about how this is, you know, to be protected from what's to come. So they were supposed to bring the spotless lamb into the family home and to care for it, making it feel like it was a part of the family so that by the time that they sacrificed it, that it would be this like special presence in their home. Like God wanted that sacrifice to be something that would be felt and so the, the lamb, the spotless lamb was sacrificed. They were told to put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost of the house as a sign that they belong to God, that the family would be spared from the coming judgment when the blood was seen on the doorpost. And then they were told to eat the lamb, to eat the entire lamb, spare nothing. And so these instructions are giving, instructions are also given for the feast of unleavened bread. And you might ask, well, what is that? Well, that was to leave the leaven out of the bread. And leaven was something that was put into the bread to kind of puff it up, but it's also a picture of sin. How when sin gets into the batch, it works itself in the batch and puffs it up, right? And so they were instructed to keep the leaven out of their house for seven days, which meant that the Passover began on the 10th. On the 14th day, they ate the Passover. And then this was the first day of unleavened bread, which for then the next seven days, they ate only unleavened bread. This was sort of the, the journey, the process of this, of the Passover and unleavened bread. At these instructions, verse 27 tells us, and I'm quoting verse 27, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our, our households. Which this was really a symbol of God defeating the enemy and that the people were being set free and to remember this. And so this is happening. And then we step into verse 29 with the, the actual enactment of the final plague. And so that night at midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn of every um, every home in Egypt. In fact, verse 30 tells us that no house was spared. And there was this great cry that rose up in the land. 
And so Pharaoh, he finally just tells the people to leave. In fact, he drives them out. He commands them to get out. And this is when the Exodus begins. It is ushered in beginning in verse 33. And so what happens are the people of God, they, they, you know, actually along with some Egyptians and foreigners, we are, are, which are doted, they wanted to join. They all gather in Succoth. And we are told that there were 600,000 men. With, and so there's an estimation that with women and children, it, there were, it could have been 2 million people. And this takes place, it says, to the day, 430 years after Israel began to live in the land. And uh, 430 years they were in the land. And here God brings them out. God delivers them from their Egypt and he provides them freedom. And so we see them gather in Succoth. And then in verses 43 through 51, there's parameters given for the Passover. But also before setting off further, the Lord instructs, we're entering chapter 13, the Lord instructs for the firstborns, both man and beast, to be consecrated to the Lord. So there's some things taking place to sort of prepare them for, for the journey. Along with the parameters giving for the Passover, Verses 6 through 13 give instruction for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so the Passover and the Unleavened Bread, they had meaning. And really what it was is it signified, so the, the purity of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was, um, it followed the blood deliverance of the Passover. So you have this blood deliverance of the Passover followed by this purity, right? The, leaving the leaven out, which illustrated this principle that, you know, we can only walk in that purity before the Lord after the the blood deliverance at the cross. We we must have the the deliverance at the cross and the blood that was shed by the spotless lamb in order to walk in the purity before the Lord. And that's the significance, that's the symbolism of 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 the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's not just something that happened a long time ago and we we read about it and then we forget about it, but it had this deeply spiritual and meaningful application. And so this takes place, this instruction is given, and then the Israelites begin their journey. However, God did not take them on the shortest or most convenient route, for that route would have have them coming across Egyptian outposts and people where battles may have happened and the people would desire to turn back out of fear. He wasn't ready for the, you know, that, that um, coming up against those kind of forces. They weren't ready for that. And so he takes them in a roundabout way, which listen, the easy way isn't always the best way. Amen. God knows that. And we might struggle with that, but God knows that. And then there's this note in verse 19 that they took Joseph's bones. It's like this little footnote, but it's right there. Verse 19, that they took Joseph's bones with them to fulfill the promise made to Joseph that they would he would be taken back to the promised land. Remember Joseph, we just finished about him last week and how his coffin was never buried. It sat there for, you know, 400 years-ish. And now they're taking his bones and they're, they're bringing them with them to the promised land. And then the chapter concludes with this verse, and I, I just always find this so beautiful. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. 
And what we see here is that God, he's making his presence known to them at all times, that there would be this constant reminder that he is with them. He's assuring them with these powerful reminders that he will be with them at all times as he brings them out from Egypt's control. And that's where we end today. Tomorrow, we're going to see what happens next with the powerful and these miraculous acts in the wilderness. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom, that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the Ministry of Truth and Grace or Wonder by the Word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, Would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.